0: UniTaste Days proudly presents the Uniguide, supporting you with All Things University.
1: Hello and a warm welcome back, listener, to the Uniguide Podcast. In this episode, we're delighted to bring you the lived experiences of three young people who have studied and recently graduated from two of the most famous, prestigious, and highly ranked universities we have in England. That being Oxford and Cambridge, which are collectively known as Oxbridge. These universities are different to other unis in a number of different ways, not least because of the fact that they compete in a boat race on the Thames every year. But before we find our guests' experiences and meet them, I'm gonna welcome back my trusty co-host, John, of course. Welcome back to the pod, John. How are you? Are we looking forward to finding out more on today's topic?
0: Certainly I am Tim, thank you so much for organising this and and so good to be talking about Oxford and Cambridge applications which is by far one of the biggest questions we have in terms of how do you get into Oxford and Cambridge, what does the the route look like and things, so really looking forward to this Tim.
1: Thank you John, Um, I'm pleased to say that we've got representation from both Oxbridge universities but there'll be no competition today, no water, no boats, no oars, nothing like that, it's just going to be a nice chat. Just before we meet our guests and get their experiences, I just wanted to point out, we have representation from both Oxbridge universities. So from Cambridge, we have Eshan and Victoria. So welcome both. And from Oxford, we have international student Nicola, who's tuning all the way in from stateside Boston, making us an international show this time, which is great. A varied panel, I hope you agree. John, over to you for the questions.
0: With this podcast, what we always try and do is start with the same question. So with that in mind, Ishan, I'm going to come to you with the first question. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about what you do and why you do it?
2: Great. Thanks for the introduction, John.
0: I am
2: a graduate from the University of Cambridge. I just graduated two months ago. I studied computer science and um, it was a really, really thorough theoretical course. I'm now going to be working in London in about five weeks' time uh, as a software engineer, and it's been really exciting. As a student, I was, you know, quite mathsy, quite uh, quite passionate about maths, physics, a bit of chemistry, and I decided to do maths, physics, and further maths at A-level. That was, uh, that was great. Um, I also tried to do chemistry at AS level and dropped it after some
0: time, but yeah, that's just a little, a little bit about me. Thank you so much, and Welcome to the podcast. So Victoria, if I can come to you, ask you the same question, what do you do and why do you do it?
3: Yeah. Thanks for inviting me onto the podcast. So I'm Victoria. I studied geography at the university of Cambridge. So I graduated two years ago, <laughs> time flies. So I really enjoy studying geography. And I think one of the reasons for studying the subject. Was wanting to know more about the intersections between human geography and physical geography. And I think, as someone who's graduated (laughs) and is out into the big world, I think I'm really happy I did, you know, social sciences because it's really nice to be able to walk down my high street (laughs) and look at how, you know, theory and practice basically relate into how different societies interact, but then also how people kind of make place in their own geography, so in their own identity and how they relate to their own space as well. So I think that's a lot of really interesting things. I learned beyond that as well so I grew up in London and I was the only person in my school cohort to get an offer from Oxbridge and my school didn't send a lot of people to Oxbridge um, in general so I think for me because of that experience I was basically became very interested in access to education um wanting participation and also kind of encouraging young people from less advantaged backgrounds or less or underrepresented backgrounds to basically be equipped with the knowledge they need basically succeed so I do a lot of public speaking professionally so in schools and businesses and yeah I think my journey to university and as a student basically equipped me to having that passion as well.
0: And finally Nicola if I can come to you for the same question what do you do and why do you do it?
3: Hello thanks
4: for the invite it's great to be on the uni guide. Um, I'm kind of in a transitionary phase right now for a while I labeled myself as a neuroscientist And for a while, I was looking more like a computational neuroscientist working on Alzheimer's disease. And that's something that I got really passionate about because my first laboratory placement was at an Alzheimer's disease laboratory. And that's where I also found out that sort of Alzheimer's disease also runs in my family genetically. Another thing that I do as well is sexual violence advocacy. Um, And I do that because it's something that affects a lot of people particularly women in higher education and so I'm continuing sort of both of those studies here in Boston.
0: Thanks for sharing that Nicola. Just as a quick note we'll be hearing more from all of these free guests throughout the podcast series because I'm really pleased to say they've joined our amazing student panel alongside the also fantastic Leah, Anton and Emma. Right then so what I'm really keen to do now is to explore just a little bit about your your backgrounds as students because I'm very conscious that a lot of people listening, whether that's students, parents, teachers, might have a certain picture in terms of the usual route to studying at Oxbridge. So if I, Ishan, if I can come to you, please, and just ask about your own background and and what brought you to Cambridge and, and just find out more about your own route.
2: I didn't know anyone personally very well who went to Oxford or Cambridge, less so for a course like computer science. And so for me, the things that inspired me, to apply, where you know, reading about things in the news and watching films like The Imitation Game, hearing about Alan Turing, um, those are stuff which really kind of got me interested in what I can do with what I'm interested in. I, you know, I would love to play video games and look into how the code behind the video games work, and that's what got me interested into
0: thinking about what I'll be doing after I finish sixth form. Thank you, Rishan. I've also seen The Imitation Game. Very much enjoyed that. And I always think a sign of a good film is when you Google it afterwards and try and find out more about someone's, someone's story, etc. So if I, Victoria, if I can come back to you to this with the same question.
3: Yeah, so I think whenever I do speaking on panels, a lot of people are quite shocked by this. But I actually wanted to be a dentist and I wanted to study at King's College London. So it was only really kind of yeah late into sixth form when I thought, actually... I don't want to be a dentist um and so I basically realized okay well what subject do I want to study and I thought you know what why not do geography and at the time when I was in sixth form I also was meeting people who did geography at university but then also were in a variety of careers so for me from the background that I came from I think it was quite important to think about you know if I do get a degree what career do I have access to and I think a lot of parents a lot of teachers often have that as a, as a big you know area of consideration so for me that's probably what I was considering and I think kind of what led me to Oxbridge so I had really good GC grades and with Oxford and Cambridge they have something called the link area scheme so basically each college in Oxford and in Cambridge is basically linked with a different like geographic locations across the UK and so based on where I grew up in London my link college was Clare College Cambridge and so when I was in year 11 before I even started sixth form this is back when I wanted to be a dentist <laughs> one of the teachers in my school suggested that I go go to go and visit Clare College and I thought miss like why would I go you can't visit any dentistry at Cambridge like why would I go she's like make sure I just go um she probably had the foresight for me thinking that you know I was gonna apply I was gonna change my decision
1: so it's fair to say that visit was a game changer for you
3: yeah basically it was that, <laughs> that that you know visit to Clare College which got me thinking about you know do I really want to study dentistry you know is it more so pressure from family pressure from teachers pressure from school or is it something I really want to do so I think the advice I definitely would give on this journey to university or whatever you decide to do next is really ask yourself you know why do you want what you want is it because your friends are doing it is it because your parents or whoever's looking after you is like you know encouraging you or forcing you to do it just really ask those you know deep questions so I think for me yeah it's been a very very long long and different winding journey but the biggest thing was you know realizing I had good grades um and then you know getting the the encouragement which I'll discuss later and that kind of you know led me to applying to Cambridge.
0: So interesting and it it just a bigger shout out just to show that that is absolutely fine to change your mind and that's why I suppose university events are really good because you you get to find out more about subjects or actually just go to visit a university and think you know what do I want to do that subject And, and do I not so um, it does, and Victoria, I, I, I won't keep on talking because the questions are for you, not for me, but it does, when you said about like parental influence, like, it does bring me back to when I used to work at university and you used to have like fairs and the amount of times you could be on a stand working at university and, and a parent and a student would come up and the parent would do all the talking and say, little Jimmy wants to be a, an accountant or he wants to be a solicitor and you're looking at little Jimmy and he he's there shaking his head he doesn't want to do that. And, um, but good on you for kind of finding your own path and, and I'm really pleased to hear yeah, how things are, are going for you.
1: Thank you, Victoria. And last but not least, we have Nicola. Nicola, you're tuning all the way in from Boston States, aren't you?
4: Yes, I am.
1: Nicola, as a international student, it'd be good to kind of get a bit of your background and put the question to you, anything you'd like to share with our listeners?
4: Yeah, so I was born and raised in Hong Kong. And yeah, like in in regards to my background, um, came from a, a very international background. And so always knew that at some point I would be leaving Hong Kong. And the question was just where? Um, Because I've got sort of British heritage as well. One of the things I was looking for was, you know, to go to the UK.
1: Thank you, Nicola. Just as a follow up question, was Oxford, Oxbridge always on your radar?
4: Oh, no, definitely not. I mean, looking back, I can definitely see that, you know, like many parents, my parents were keen for me to consider at least Oxbridge. Um, But for myself personally, I just knew that I wanted to go into neuroscience. And um, while I was in high school, my sights were actually set more on UCL, which has a very strong neuroscience department. Um, And I actually visited their department um, before applying. So I was very excited about all of that, but I also spent a summer in Oxford as well, um, a couple of years before applying. So I did apply. It definitely wasn't my focus. And I think actually I only really felt in love with Oxford um, when I came there for interviews. Do
1: you mind sharing what specifically made you fall in love with that particular place, Oxford?
4: And it was really just walking down the streets and overhearing all of these other students' conversations. And at the time, you know, coming from a very academic, high-performing school as well, you know, I was used to people talking about their subjects around me and so on and so forth. So it wasn't really that that captured me per se. It was more the passion. That everyone had for their subject and it was very unashamed passion as well and I feel like some people depending on what community or what uh, culture you're in sometimes that sort of unabashed love for what you do isn't really out there in public but you know here out in the open like so many students were just having these open sort of conversations sharing their subjects you know talking about every every single subject in the sun really whether it be physics or maths or Biology or or like the humanities, history. Yeah, so that's what made me fall in love with the place.
1: Thanks so much, Nicola. I'm going to put it to Victoria. Victoria, when did you start to think about applying? To-
3: yeah, so I think for me, I probably thought about it when I was in Year Twelve. During that time, I also signed up to different summer schools. So I did something called the Sutton Trust Summer School Program, which is basically a free summer school, and it's a great chance for you to learn about the subject you might want to study. You know, you get to it's a residential as well. It's all fully funded. And I did a summer school studying geography for one week at Queen's College, Cambridge. starts when I was in year 12. But the summer school for me was great. And I actually stayed at Queen's College, Cambridge during the summer school. And then five years later, I graduated from Queen's College, Cambridge doing geography. So it was also really helpful to kind of go and visit the college that I might apply to. So obviously with Oxbridge, you applied to the college as well.
1: Thank you, Victoria. Ishan, what about yourself? Uh, was Bridge always on your radar? uh yeah i guess
2: i kind of had in the back of my head so i'm i'm from london and i guess you could say i'm a first generation immigrant my parents were quite keen on me staying at home saving money going to university in london so they kind of had that idea for me and i thought well okay that's that's great and i would love to have that support staying at home but you know if there's any place out of london that i might consider applying to. It might be Oxford or Cambridge. But uh, for me, it was kind of a way to get out of the house and follow the kind of aspirations that I had. But uh, just about the point on, um, on pressure from parents to like, apply to university. So from my experience, like a lot of my friends, and, I'm, and I I've met a lot of people who are first generation or second generation immigrants and there are a few stereotypical like courses and fields that they tend to be pushed towards like medicine engineering maths whatever and i've seen you know several of my friends because of that pressure apply to university successfully get in they have fantastic applications they have good support from their parents but you know so many people they pull out either right before they go to university, or, you know, one or two years in, they realize medicine isn't for me. I've had this happen to two good friends of mine. That's one thing I really want to emphasize on. I I believe Victoria mentioned this. And I really do believe that if you genuinely do not want to do this, do this subject course field for the next 40 years, I think it's worth thinking about that and
1: thinking about why you're wanting to apply for that. That brings us to the end of part one. Join us after this short break for part two, as we delve into the application process to Oxbridge.
0: I think a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are are going to have various concerns in terms of Oxbridge and, and what you need to do. You know, what does a personal statement need to look like? Do you have interviews? If you do, and you do, don't you? But if you do have interviews, what to expect? is their admissions test. And I know you guys can't talk about all courses, but what you can do is, is bring your own experience on it. So Victoria, if I come to you first.
3: Yeah, so I applied in 2016, it feels such a long time ago, time is flying by, oh my goodness. So I applied in 2016 and when I applied, I had to do, I had to do an admissions test. Um, so that was actually the very first year that they introduced the admissions test for geography at Cambridge they've actually now scrapped the admissions test. So the advice I would give is to make sure you go onto the subject website and know whether or not you need to do a test. And then also with Oxbridge in particular, some colleges make you do extra tests when you come and interview. So if you don't want to do an extra test, don't apply to certain colleges. (laughs) That's a good tip for you as well. So, but for me, it was a test. Then I was invited to interview, but before all of that, I submit a personal statement. I know that guys have changed the structure of personal statements this year, so again, you know, look online for extra resources on how to prepare for that. Ask your teachers for support. Go on YouTube. YouTube is a great resource for getting support when it comes to personal statement. And once my personal statement was done, I also had to have teacher references. So it was my head of sixth form who's done all the references for our whole year group. And I think for me, the biggest part of the application process was the personal statement, the interview. And then also in, when you're applying to Cambridge, again, I don't know if they, if they still did this. This is back when I applied in 2016. They had something called the SAQ, which is basically something called the Supplementary Application Questionnaire. But basically, it was just a form you had to fill out if you wanted to give extra information. So, let's say, you know, in year 12, you got three A's but one C. But the reason why you got the C was because you didn't have a teacher for seven months and you had to teach yourself. Or maybe, you know, there was a family bereavement, for example. You can add that extra information in the SAQ. Again, Please look online because that's back when I applied in twenty sixteen. But the University of Cambridge application website is really, really useful. Um and then actually last year I did a campaign with the University of Cambridge social media team. And so there's a lot of resources on interviews, applications, you get to hear from students.
0: On the subject of your personal statements, and you're right to mention about personal statements are changed. I don't think that actually the latest guidance, I think, is actually that they might be put put back. But do check that out separately, um, depending on when you listen to this, this podcast. But the in terms of personal statements, and, and you mentioned it's a few years ago now, but do you remember anything that you, you know, any any kind of tips you had or anything that you particularly put in?
3: Yeah, so the biggest piece of advice I would say on personal statements is a lot of the schools I tend to talk in, they are state schools. and I think oftentimes when students apply to Oxbridge or other Roscoe universities, there's the assumption that they have to almost like force themselves to become an upper middle class student. You know, be your most authentic self, I think the biggest thing, the biggest tip I would give, especially if you're doing, you know, social sciences, arts, history, where you can do a lot of, you know, reading about the liberal arts, for example, bring in your own cultural capital. For example, the very first line on my personal statement, I mentioned how I grew up in East London. I mentioned having Nigerian parents. I mean, how many people (laughs) are going to be applying to Cambridge for geography with that background? So I think it's really important to kind of, you know, hone in your own story. And also it makes you unique. It makes you stand out. You know, if you're able to read books about really deep, you know, theories but then also you're able to relate those theories to your wider surroundings it shows that you've actually been able to grasp that knowledge beyond the, beyond your classroom so I think that's something to always consider when applying so that's probably the biggest tip on your personal statement is to be your authentic self use your own cultural and social capital where you can and fundamentally it allows you to stand out and standing out being unique is something that also is very relevant once you get your degree <laughs> um because everything you know is so competitive and I guess another piece of advice I'd also say is the tip of you don't want you don't you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen. So what does that mean? When you finish when you finish your first draft or your tenth draft, it's quite tempting to be like, you know what? Let me give it to this teacher and this teacher and this teacher. Let my mom read it. Let my brother read it. But before you know, you've got you know fifteen different kind of people reading it, and it can it can actually make you a bit confused. And you know what should I keep? What should I take out? So the advice I would give is to maybe look for three to five people whose knowledge you trust and go and ask them for advice if you're going to get advice from someone <laughs> go to a very good source
0: victoria thank you so much and then the, do you mind if i just ask one final question about your own journey do you remember the interview process i assume you had an interview how did you feel going into it how did you feel after it
3: <laughs> yeah i always laugh when i <laughs> kind of mentioned this so my interview was actually one of the best interviews i've done so far in my life like it was actually so 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 enjoyable and i was so shocked i was so surprised and I think for me, the biggest thing I probably took away from my experience was these professors, you know, these academics, they're not trying to trick you. They're not trying to catch you out. They just just want to know, you know, your passion for your, the subject. They want to know that, you know, if they're going to select you, how will you be in TV visions? How will you be in tutorials? You know, so I think the biggest advice I would give on interviews is making sure you read your personal statement it's called a personal statement for a reason so you don't want to get caught up by saying oh I read this book and then you got you get asked about it but then you don't know what was in chapter four you know do your research I think also on a more positive side as well when you're you know most people who apply to university they're going to be probably you know 18 17 years old it's a great opportunity to be able to kind of talk about your subject with people who are literally at the forefront of their field you know what what a privilege so I think it's, good. It's, you know, it's quite easy for it to be really worrying right you know, what if I get in, what if I don't get in. Just try and enjoy the process. You'll learn so much about yourself. You'll learn so much about your own passion for your subject. And I think for me, going into the interview, I actually was very, very nervous. And I went up to Cambridge with my mum. But before my interview, because I was, you know, as a parent drug geography. You know, if you're going to do social sciences, geography, history, et cetera, I would listen to a lot of podcasts. And literally every single morning... <laughs> up until my interview and also in the it actually in, in the lead up to my exams because there's one thing to get an offer from Oxbridge the second thing is to make sure you get your grades <laughs> and so in the lead up to my exams in and in, into my interview I actually listen I used to listen to BBC Radio 4 in the morning and they'll be literally <laughs> you know they'll, they'll be debating and I'll be brushing my teeth but then I think okay they, they mentioned this they mentioned you know climate change what's my opinion on climate change and literally I'll talk out loud so that's probably the biggest preparation you can do. When you're listening to podcasts, when you're going to like, you know, public lectures at universities, sit down, process the information, ask yourself, okay, what's my opinion on it? So by the time you get to your interview, you're already used to thinking about, you know, social issues. You're already used to, you know, articulating your point of view in a very coherent way. Um, and then also this is probably a really good, <laughs> useful interview tip, not just for applying to university, but also life in general. When an interviewer asks you a question that you don't actually you feel like you don't know the answer to or you know you're still trying to articulate what you might say just ask them to repeat repeat the question again or take a sip of water and then it literally allows you to pause take a moment to think about the question and then articulate your ideas because i think oftentimes it's so easy for you to rush into an answer but then when you rush things you don't, you don't tend to give the, the best answer so it's okay to pause in the interview it's okay to ask them to repeat this part of the question as well and again, another tip if you don't come from a school where your teachers can support you, or you don't come from a family where your family can support you with applying to university. I'd recommend using LinkedIn as a platform, so literally reaching out to people who are studying the subjects at, you know, Oxford, Cambridge that you want to apply to, and ask them, you know, if they could do a, mo- a mock interview with you. And then from a young age, my mum always taught me, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. And then I added onto it, saying, if you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> if you don't get, you might regret. So there's literally no harm in asking someone on LinkedIn. Obviously, ask nicely. Um, and then you, you can just build connections, meet new people, and get get support for your your application process.
0: What golden advice? So if you if you don't ask, you don't get, and if you don't ask, you might regret. Love that. I'm stealing that.
1: Nicola, what was your experience of the interview process? A lot of people, as as, as Victoria has mentioned, people get stressed and nervous about it, and then maybe it's not as bad as they thought. But I would just like to kind of get your your experiences here.
4: Looking back. You know there wasn't really a lot of um, good interview prep you know teachers and even my mom you know, tried to prepare me for the interviews and um, the actual experience was very different um, but you know overall it was a, it was a good experience, yeah
1: good to hear. Do you mind sharing some examples of of what happened during the interview just for our listeners oh. and, and your experience? There?
4: <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely have an example. Um, So my first interview at Oxford really took me by surprise I you know I knew that they would be asking me things related to my personal statement for instance so I knew that inside out um, I knew how to discuss that very well but my sort of research focus even at that time um, my topic of interest was neurodegeneration Alzheimer's disease and then I walk into this interview and all the questions they asked me about are about neuroembryology and neurodevelopment which is of course something that I had not prepared for at all and you know the professors very much knew that and that was the whole point you know they wanted to see how you reacted in a very unfamiliar environment and so admittedly you know I didn't do so well in that interview and that's fine to say I think most people I speak to you know you get multiple interviews generally speaking so pretty much everyone I speak to has at least one um, interview that you know, they know it was a bit weaker, and mine was definitely my first. But what was funny was because after that interview, I kind of just thought, well, you know, I'm definitely not getting in. That was how, um, I'm just going to have fun with the with the rest. And so I had two more interviews, and funnily enough, just by walking into it and just wanting to have a good time and react to the questions as best as I could. Um, without putting pressure on myself. That's actually when I um, had my strongest interviews.
0: Mountain of advice there that's been super useful. What I'm gonna do, Ishan, is, is come to the next question, uh, which we've got prepared, and that's to ask about help that someone else could have provided. So again, looking back to your own application journey, Ishan, is there anything you know, that you look back on that you think a teacher and parent could have provided that would have made a difference to you know, your own application and or or your own journey?
2: One thing I would really recommend is Always, always find someone who definitely has credibility with English to look over your personal statement. So, if, if you're applying for, you know, even, even if you're applying for a STEM subject, you know, may, they may not be caring so much about whether your personal statement is a high quality essay, but it's always, always important to have someone who has great English communication skills to look over it. So, for me, that was a, um, one of the english teachers she was great she helped me move things around and that's that was fantastic another thing you could pester your parents about or someone they could take you to cambridge and i know that that isn't an option for everyone if you're an international student or you simply don't have the time for that you know that's definitely something which will help you figure out which college you want to apply to i know applying to a specific college can be daunting, because there's like 25 plus options. But the college you apply to really makes a big difference in terms of the location that you're at. And I, th- I think that's one big thing you don't want to be applying to a college that's like far out from the center of the city. So if you apply to a college that is in the center, that, you know, kind of fits the profile of the school you're applying from, for example, King's College, Is great for state school applicants. They have, you know, amazing bursary schemes, amazing scholarships. Really, this is something that, if you go to the city, you'll be able to learn a bit
1: more about that. Ishan, could you share one thing with our listeners, either about the prep or going through the actual interview itself, or both? Whatever you'd like to share here.
2: But one thing which did help me in terms of actually going through the interview was doing, doing things interview related that were group experiences. For example, I, I did a UKMT uh, group maths challenge thing with my sixth form, and that was me and three others just working in a team, solving maths problems, competing against other people from the school, and just that learning how to communicate technical problems and learning how to solve that together with other people and how, how to bring the most out of other people, that was fantastic. And that's really one, one of the main skills in, in, in an interview, as Victoria was saying.
1: Thank you, Richard. I was just listening and thinking, you know, in terms of the ear of the supporter, helping someone who's applying to Oxbridge, you don't need to be academically involved or experienced necessarily in that student's specialism. You know, as an example, because you've mentioned this before, Victoria, you, you could be in a traffic jam, for example, and you're listening to a podcast or a radio station, uh, and that parent, that carer, whoever that friend can act as a sounding board.
2: Yeah, that that that's a great point. So my mom doesn't work in a in a like computer science technical field, but she's definitely been a fantastic sounding board for me to kind of if I try my best to an ex, to explain a concept to her, and she does her best to kind of push and prod me to do her best to learn from my explanation and you know if if you if you're trying to learn something new especially for something technical if you can explain it to someone who doesn't have experience with that especially if it's like an abstract concept and relate it to things they know then you've you've done a great job of understanding that topic so yeah if you're if you're in the car one great thing to do especially for job interviews or you know university interviews or just communication in general is get them to ask you questions about something which you've learned and do your best to
0: explain it to them absolutely love that and a big shout out to Ishan's mum that's such good advice brilliant um, really 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 love that Ishan i want to come to you for because it's something you you touched on and I think there'll be a lot of listeners that will find it really handy you mentioned about the college system when it comes to Cambridge and, and the same will apply for for Oxford as well and, and, and Nicola A lot of people will be thinking, well, hold on a second. I want to apply to university. I don't want to apply to a college. And and you mentioned about college systems and applying to a certain college. And and a lot of people will be quite confused by that. Do you mind just giving us just an idea of of how the college system works at Cambridge and, and, and why you applied to a certain college and not the actual university itself?
2: Of course. So it is overwhelming to have a look at the application process and seeing 25 plus colleges being listed. And that did overwhelm me. And you have the option of doing an open application, which means applying to any one of the different colleges in in Cambridge, for example. And really, it doesn't make an academic difference. You'll you'll have the same level of teaching at every different type of college, but each college kind of operates like with with its own community. So you'll be living with people from your college. Just there's so much of the Cambridge experience which is dependent on which college you go to. At the same time, it doesn't massively vary between colleges. But if you do your research into what each college is like, then that might help you tailor your application. And I, I can I can give an example. Uh, so King's College is fairly left wing. So if you're if you're progressive, if you are interested in um, in politics. King's College has a fantastic politics society, and there's just so many more opportunities to to expand into your interests if you know that a certain college has the societies and uh, support systems for specific interests. And yeah, I, I think I think one big point is that colleges like Trinity College Cambridge or you know i'm sure if you do your research you'll you'll have better information than me but some colleges are uh, way more private school oriented so you'll get way more applicants and the ratio of private school to uh, state school applicants to specific colleges and i don't think that should deter you from applying to those colleges but it's just another factor your decision so there's there's quite a few factors which could play into what college you go to, and it's it can be overwhelming, which is why they have their open application, which kind of just puts you in the pool of applicants to all colleges, and they do their best to make it so you have the same chance of getting into Cambridge, dependent on whether you apply to a specific college or do an open application, as so they call it. But you know, it's 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 always worth doing a bit of research. And
3: there's a really good resource that recommend students look into called the Cambridge University alternative prospectus, and that gives you an insight into different colleges from a student perspective. So if you aren't able to go and visit different colleges, you can hear from different student voices. And then also there's just, you know, quite niche things that you don't know. For example, some colleges have an amazing gym, you know, Girton College has its own swimming pool. (laughs) So, you know, all these little things that you just would not know (laughs) from looking at the outside. Um, Some colleges are more modern, you know, for example, my college, Queen's College, it allows students to have access to accommodation for three years. Whilst other colleges, you only get access to accommodation on campus for for one year.
1: Research, research, research. Brilliant advice, Victoria, for all those points. Nicola, I'd like to come to you from an Oxford point of view. What was your experiences around the collegiate system?
4: Now, I knew very little about the colleges before actually coming to Oxford. In fact, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know about St. Hugh's College until I actually got my offer. So it was a bit of a, like a jolt, sort of like, you know, getting to know the college system. I will say that it matters both less and more than people expect. I think in terms of community, colleges are known to be uh, sort of community hubs. But particularly if you're in a central college, you'll find that, you know, you can very easily make friends and find communities elsewhere beyond your college. So you're definitely not restricted by that. So if that's something you're worried about, don't worry about that at all. But the other thing is... You are going to mainly have contact with the professors and tutors within your college, and you're going to find that a lot easier. So when it comes to things like finding research opportunities or research projects, say, if you happen to find a college that, you know, like, oh, the professor is very good at neuroembryology or uh, genetics or is a cancer researcher. If you find a college who has that professor uh, on hand, then that might be really, that might be really great. But again, it's not the be all, end all, you know, like the medical sciences division and whatever academic department you're in exists for a reason. And, you know, whatever sort of field that you want to go into, um, you're going to be able to have access to that one way
1: or another. That brings us to the end of part two. Join us after this short break for all important reflections, guidance and advice from our three guests on Oxbridge ishan can i come to you
0: with a question if i may about any like myths stereotypes you you encountered during your own oxbridge journey i believe or at least i believed
2: going into cambridge that cambridge is a overly academic university where there's no opportunity for relaxing societies where there's no opportunity for having the kind of experience you would have At a non-Oxbridge university, and which is you know a fair enough opinion to hold because there's a fairly high standard of entry for Oxbridge, but there's so many fantastic societies and ways to meet people and engage with with the wider community of other than academic things. In in my first few months of university, it's probably one of my biggest regrets. I Kind of stuck to what I knew. I wasn't as open minded as uh, I should have been, and I didn't put myself out there in finding societies and finding, you know, new groups of 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 individuals and and um, you know Cambridge, whilst being extremely academic, is still a great, great place to
0: have the standard university experience, whatever that is. Yes, Shannon, thank you so much. I'm, I'm conscious in this podcast. We've got like, we've we've had so much brilliant advice. and There's so many things I want to ask, but I am very conscious of, of time. So what I'm going to do is actually ask you all the final question that we always ask people on this podcast. If I can come to you first, Victoria, if you could just give one piece of advice to a student that is considering Oxbridge, what would it be?
3: I'd definitely say go for it. Just have an open mind. With the application process, have an open mind when you're going to university. Because, for example, I didn't think that I'd go to... I didn't even think I'd get accepted into Cambridge, but I did. You know, I didn't think I'd get three A stars, but I did. I also didn't think I'd learn how to DJ <laughs> at Cambridge, but I did. So life is basically full of surprises, and I think it's quite important to have an open mind.
0: Nicola, can I come to you? First
4: of all, don't be afraid to ask for help. I think that a lot of a lot of people who get here, they... Are proud of the fact that that they are very high achieving, that they can do a lot of a lot of things, you know, quote unquote by themselves, and they don't need sort of like the additional like assistance or support. I think that here you have to be comfortable asking for help because especially in a course as rigorous as and intensive as this one, um, it's not like high school at all. You're going to have to really raise your voice if you need. Any help or just any sort of like additional guidance at all? So there's that aspect, you know. Even if it's like a minor thing, you know, like oh, I don't quite understand this thing in the lecture. Oh, I don't quite understand this one aspect of a tutorial, or you don't understand this professor's study. Go up to that professor. They're the ones who gave the the lecture, the tutorial. They're the ones who wrote the study. And you know, more often than not, they're going to be you know over the moon that you actually ask for more details and ask to clarify what it was that they were saying um, and even in one case I remember being confused by something that a lecturer had said and I came up to him afterwards and I was like hey this doesn't quite make sense to me and he said oh actually sorry I misspoke Um, it was actually meant to be you know xyz so you know don't feel like just because you're at Oxford that you know like you're necessarily going to be struggling or that you know just because you're at Oxford that means that you're high achieving and therefore you should be able to understand this stuff right off the bat um, everyone's in the same boat so just go for it ask the question no one's going to no one's going to mind
1: more fantastic advice can we get any more of course we can Isha, what would you like to pass on
2: biggest thing that I tell people I tutor is passion passion for your subject and it's cliche and that word is overused in so many personal statements and I, I would avoid using that word more than two times in your personal statement but if you do as much as you can the year before you you send off your application to show passion for your course and your subject whilst you know maintaining a balanced lifestyle that's definitely important Uh, i i can give an example for that so i i talked to a lot of people whilst going to open days and going to uh, you know various just meeting people who had gone to university is it necessary to do four a levels and that's that's a question which you may or may not be thinking of but you know a lot of people who go to cambridge or oxford have four five six you know some people have like seven a levels and i ended up taking three a levels i did physics maths and further maths and they were really you know close and um, homogeneous and they kind of i was worried that i didn't have enough diversity in my a levels and maybe this is just a computer science thing and it's it's definitely important to take the A levels you're interested in but doing three A levels and you know not doing four or you know some crazy amount that gave me time to work on side projects work on different different coding projects or you know meeting and interacting with new people which improved my quality of life improved my personal statement and my application overall i was able to study a bit more for the admissions test and yeah, that, I don't know if that's a thing on many people's mind, but three A-levels is, is fantastic and it will get you through.
1: Thank you so much, Ishan. I'm just going to pick up on one of your two brilliant points there. And in particular, we've, cause we've been talking about personal statements and the overuse of that word, that P word, passion. So as an alternative and as a bit of a, a quick challenge, I've got 20 seconds for you to come up with as many alternative words to passion as possible and hopefully some of the listeners can can use these. Affection.
3: Adoration.
0: Uh admiration. Fervour. Devotion. Attachment. Commitment. Vehement. I'm out. Pass. I'm out. First out.
3: Fondness.
1: Keenness. Rapture. Dedication. Yep, that's me. (laughs) No, that's your twenty. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Guys, I just want to say a
0: huge thank you from me for your time. If you've got anything else you'd like to share, any any shout-outs in terms of handles or anything else, please do.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. If you want to connect, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn, Victoria Audeji, then also on TikTok and Instagram at Navigate with Victoria. Another thing I also wanted to mention was the power of social media. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you might be Gen Z, you probably are going to be Gen Z. It's so important to make sure you use social media for good rather than using it for bad. So for me, when I was in school, when I applied to Cambridge, this, literally the same year that I applied to Cambridge, there were so many YouTubers who were vlogging their experience at Cambridge. And these were people who went to state school. So people like Ibsmo, people like Nissy T, Courtney Daniela, Imani Shola. Seeing that representation was literally transformational for me. So, so yeah, feel free to connect with me.
2: That's, that's fantastic. I, uh, I loved watching Ibsmo when I was applying. I loved watching Ali Abdal too. Both of them were huge inspirations, and I, I agree. Social media has definitely had both a positive and a bit of a negative impact on me, but, you know, that's that's everything. Uh, if you'd like to know more computer science application stuff, just general the experience of computer science at Cambridge, please check out my YouTube channel. That's Ishan D, I-S-H-A-N space D on YouTube. Or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Ishan
0: Duavedi. Thank you. You've been listening to the UniGuide, supporting you with all things university. While you're here, why not give us a rating? If you have any comments, suggestions, or want to ask us any questions at all, please contact us using info at unitasterdays.com. Stay tuned, like and share, and as always, take care.